All right, kids, we're going to talk about gun control. Pray for me. This is the Transatlantic Podcast, a discussion between two trans people from across the pond. That's the shtick. My name is Luxander, and I am a transmasculine American genderqueer person. Um, my name is Kat, and I am a transfeminine um, person from Britain, the country with um, a government in chaos, and um, it's very hot here, even though it's meant to be cold. You're that not, was... You're not the only one. <laughs> no, no. I, what's going on? It's like it's not even August. It's not even July yet. What's happening? It's almost like there's heat in the earth. Like there's some sort of global warming. I, you know, it's but it's just the weather though. Like it'll pass. It's we all like know a, it's a Chinese hoax. It's a freak heat wave. It'll be fine. Exactly. I mean, like I know, like you, you people up there in in Trump Manistan understand better than anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's depressing. Soon, soon to be renamed Empire of Turkmenistan. Oh god, wouldn't that be just the best thing in the whole world? Anyway, <laughs> uh, so uh, this week's episode is not going to be much less depressing than the fact that Trump is president of the United States of America. Because uh, <laughs> as of recording this, it's uh, it's been a week since the anniversary of the. Pulse shooting at the, like, nightclub in Orlando, Florida last year, if people remember, which I hope you do. It's good to remember. It's a big event. It was, like, was it, like, the biggest mass shooting on American soil? Or am Uh, I putting that on my ass? Yeah, I think it was. um, I mean, if, uh, and of course, that's sort of, it's this contentious thing to say because, like, technically, uh, you know, we killed, like, all of the Native Americans, but aside from that, (laughs) (laughs) yes, I am pretty sure it was the, like, biggest, or, like, with the most casualties as far as both, like, body count and people in the hospital are concerned. Yeah, and as, like, most mass shootings have, like, problems with how they're reported, but this one especially was, um, for reasons that most people who remember the shooting are familiar with, there were some issues in the reporting of this and it was almost swept under the rug in a way that you wouldn't think about with mass shootings usually. Like not swept under the rug so much as the reasons for it and the the facts of, of the case and what actually happened and where it was were sort of downplayed. Yeah, I mean, it had sort of this mixed... I don't really know how people responded in Britain and I haven't really talked to anybody about how you as a community like the lgbt community over there processed Mm. it um or anything like that but here it was definitely one of those hard-hitting things that passed way too quickly from the news just because of the timing and like the election was still ramping up so like a month after they had the uh democratic and republican national conventions so it was like blip and then like oh god other things are happening 
constantly. Yes, sort of swallowed by the news cycle. Mm-hmm. Mm. No, I don't think, like, I think last year I wasn't that involved with the LGBT community. I hadn't gone full time yet. So mm. I think I just moved out of Bristol back to my parents' house for a while. I cried. Like, uh, it felt awful. And, like, my, I'm, I knew, I know a lot of bisexual people back home and they were all like, pretty upset too. Like, everyone was upset. Everyone who's, like, who gives a shit about gay rights, which you should, should be upset. People that give a shit about human life should be upset. Um, but, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's an awful thing to do. And even, even as far away as it was, the idea that there's a sort of an idea, you know, when you're, when you're in, a, in, like, say, a nightclub specifically set out to be friendly to gay people that you're going, that you're safe. And that's part of the point of and why they exist is, is to, to have a safe space for gay people and LGBT people. And that breaking down the barrier of safety and I mean, there aren't really words, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, I think that was one of the most hard hitting things about it was that we like, we use those places as places where we can like freely be ourselves. And like that safe space was like basically destroyed. Like, the concept of it, I guess. The concept that you could go out to a gay bar and, like, have it not be a big deal. Because it hasn't been a big deal for a while. Like, Stonewall and shit happened, you know, in the 70s. So it's been, like, 40, almost 50 years since we had, like, a major LGBT thing, like, happen at a club. And this this happens to be, like, one of the more particularly bad things in general. And it's like now, and now, like most major cities have like at least a couple of gay bars, like some some cities have like drag bars and things like that. And it's generally accepted that if you're in a place with a lot with enough people, like it's a sort of a thing that you have to go to. And like places like Manchester and Liverpool and stuff like gay villages and stuff, and like it's just part of the culture now. And to see so much backlash of that, like when you. So it's tempting to think sometimes that the fight's over for acceptance for, um, especially, well, not for, it's not in any long stretch, but there's, sometimes you get to sit back and think, oh, look how far we've come. And then something like that happens and you're like, have we made progress? Have we just fooled ourselves into thinking that we're further? Or, or is it literally, is it just a blip, you know? And it's sometimes it can be hard to tell. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. And that this, uh, actually kind of opens a whole can of worms for me. It's something I've been thinking a lot about lately and, and it's got, I like, I'm going to have to spend a lot of time processing it, but basically we seemed to see in Western culture, this like growing acceptance for people of all different kinds of backgrounds like uh racism seemed to be more or less dying out like the story you see see the stories about police brutality but typically there aren't any like public lynchings or anything like that like as compared to other points in american history so like in the last 50 years really basically since the civil rights movement and then with the the trans rights movement sort of starting after that um it seemed like things were better and that people were more tolerant and that it just was becoming a more safe place to be in general. And then we have like all of these legislators that are doing all of these hierarchical things, like things that are supporting the current power dynamics and acting like we're surprised about it. Um, Because I don't think that 
there has actually been a drastic reduction in racism or homophobia or transphobia, even though it seems like there has been. Because I believe that mostly what we've done is just drive that sort of speech underground. Like, we've made it publicly unacceptable to, like, for example, use the N-word, but you can still say thugs. So we know that people are, like, exactly as racist as they used to be. We just pushed that type of speech underground where it has festered. And then, oh, why did Donald Trump win the presidency? Well, because racism is being normalized because it never went away. It just became taboo. And now it's resurfacing. Does that make sense? I Yeah, I agree completely. You see this a lot with, with the people asking why Trump won and stuff, and a lot of the response seemed to be at the time, like, well, you called us racist, so we voted against this. Like, what? And so for a lot of people, it looks like they know that racism is a bad thing, and they've internalized that. So just using racism as an example. They know it's a bad thing. They've grown up being told racism is bad, but they're still racists, but they think they're good people, so they like so they in their mind they're not a racist, but black people are all X. Yeah, and it's a sort of idea like they know so they know it's taboo. They separate themselves from that. They have a cognitive dissonance, but their feelings are still there. And but at the same time, I do think it is getting better with the future generations. I think a lot of people maybe that grew up racist are still racist, but a lot of kids growing up today seems like it seems to be more a high proportion of younger people are less are not racist compared to their parents as yeah, far which as is i totally can tell true like i mean there is definitely a decline but there was also uh, a drastically unexpected amount of young white males who turned out to vote for trump uh like it was like a coordinated thing on certain parts of reddit and like 4chan where these men were like deliberately not participating in polling processes or like any of the preamble so that when they actually came and voted there was like this ridiculously high number of young men in their 20s that we just did not expect as a demographic to show up in like such huge numbers for Trump but like it was a coordinated effort to sort of like psych us out to think that we like had a more solid chance of winning like us meaning like Democrats whatever's liberals yeah. I would suspect that that's probably because a lot of these people wanted something different and not necessarily Trump. Like, how many of these people would have voted for Sanders if he was there because he's not he's anti-establishment? Yeah, and it's tough to suss out that whole thing. It's gotten more complicated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in plenty of elections like in the West, people have been voting for something that's different, not necessarily anything like right or left. It doesn't seem to matter as long as it's not the the previous political class. Like, Trump was different. He has no political experience. He talks differently. He's a complete fucking moron. But, you know, he's different, and people seem to respond to that, the same as they responded with Sanders and, say, with Corbyn over here. Um, people want change. They're not sure what change they want, but they want something different. And I feel like when they look at Trump, they say he's different, and they don't think about what he's saying. Or if they think about what he's saying, they sort of um, compartmentalize it in their head. Like, when they say so when it's the bad shit, he says, oh, he doesn't mean that. In sort of the same way that when people, like, interpret, say, the Old Testament, they'll take away some of the nice stuff and they'll ignore the stuff about the women in tents on the period and stuff like that. Just because it's easier to process that way. Yeah, I totally see what you're, where you're coming at from. On that one, um, we've strayed a little bit. 
Yeah, we were. <laughs> it's hard not to go into politics with these things. It's it's inherently tied to say like racial politics, identity politics, um, because just because of the nature of the whole thing. I mean, it was like the the polishing. It was at a um, a, a, a gay bar on a Latino night. So even just the circumstances of the shooting are inherently politicized because of how marginalized these groups are. And the fact that, say, certain news outlets um, decided to cover it by not mentioning that and sometimes denying that it was that, I guess, so they could, because they thought that the viewers wouldn't feel as empathetic towards um, gay Latinos as, like, white straight people. Can, where were you seeing coverage about it? Because, like, I really didn't see anything like that, but I was also getting my news primarily over social media. I I tend to... I watch, like, The Daily Show and John Oliver and shit like that, but, like, some some okay. of the stuff on YouTube and things, and, like, I get a lot of news from Reddit and things, so it's not, not like I'm actually watching the, the UK coverage because they wouldn't dare do shit like that. Okay. Like we're far too we're far too polite to Im, to imply that, and even if we did, we pr- pretend it was we pretend it was an honest mistake and stuff like that. And that's just the Daily Mail, in which case, I'm sure Katie Hopkins has a lot of awful shit to say about it, and Piers Morgan too. But I don't listen to them. Yeah, news is weird. Um, I mean, <laughs> it makes sense that like no matter what, this issue is going to be politicized. It just it just sort of depends on which direction you want to take it first. Like you know, because there's the gun debate, which you and I, of course, grew up in drastically different circumstances, like in regards to guns existing and also gun violence and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. And then there's the whole mental health angle, which people try to avoid. Um, the, and then there was like Islamophobia that was in the coverage of it because the like suspected religiosity of the shooter, which I don't even know if there ever ended up being a coherent, like, narrative, except that he, like, his wife drove him to the places and they had domestic violence in the relationship and there was also domestic violence with him and an ex-wife. So, like, she was basically, his current wife was basically, like, unable to not help drive him around to do these things. And, like, Mm -hmm. his dad, I don't remember what his dad said about his religiosity. So, I mean, but the, the fact, the fact that they make it about like Islam, even though that's not necessarily what the thing is, like it could just as easily be the generic homophobia of Abrahamic religions instead of yeah. like just this one particular guy who is Islamic. And then the attempts to try to draw like comparisons, like, Oh, he claims that he did this on behalf of ISIS or like ISIS claims that, he was unrelated to them or whatever. Like it in America, it so infuriates me that like the gun conversation is more important to me to have after something like this happens than like the concept of Islamophobia. Although I will say that this person had been under FBI investigation once before and was currently under FBI investigation when he was able to legally purchase the weapons that he used in the shooting. So that is a little bit, like, wonky to me. I don't understand how anybody can stand by that. It, I just, And I don't think anybody does. I just think that the gun control conversation is stalled. 
like we are not going to yeah, make but, any progress in America. If if we let Newtown happen and like didn't change anything, like that was one of the things that pissed me off about Pulse was that I knew that nothing was going to change in the aftermath, and it totally hasn't. Yeah, I mean the the, the knowing the being in the investigation parts happened a lot with recent shootings. The um, Manchester bomber recently was under investigation, I believe. Or was that, I, might, I might be wrong about that. Um, you would know I can, more I'll than delete me. that. I don't know. I, I'll I'll check that and I'll delete it if it's wrong. But um, that's yeah, that's been going around recently because. I guess part because budget concerns, like police, like different levels of policing in the UK, that's been a problem. Um, that was either the London attack or the Manchester attack, we knew we were there under investigation, and they just everyone's been blamed based on police budgets and that the, the Conservative cuts the police budget as not being able to investigate properly. Um, yeah, the thing is with like even if he does, even if he did claim for ISIS, which I think he might have done. Like, you can't stop people from wanting to shoot people. People are going to keep being born. Some of these people will want to shoot people. Whether it's in the name of Islam or not, most of the time it isn't. Most attacks on American soil are not by, it's by Muslims, and they don't get called terrorists. Um, so there's that. And then probably, probably the reason you want to, people want to be looking for whether there's a Muslim or not so they can call them a terrorist, because if they're brown, they're a terrorist. If they're white, then they're a lone wolf, because I guess right. that's just racism. Um but the same thing is you, you can't stop people from growing up and, like, snapping and or having, like, one really bad day and making an awful decision to go do something terrible or maybe just being an awful person and thinking that's okay. But you can do, th- you can do things to stop them being able to get weapons that can kill so efficiently. Like, it's not hard to, like, even if... We didn't have to get rid of guns even, just, like, limit, like... like <laughs> you can do a lot, a lot less damage with, say, a pistol than uh, AK-47, for an example. Like, just... <laughs> you don't need a machine... So you don't need a machine gun to do whatever excuse you have for wanting guns in America. Um, and I feel like... it's It scares me a lot. This is going to sound very... Very un-American, and I apologise, because <laughs> my, my grandma's... Amer- my, my late grandma's American, and I have American family. But they would agree with me, they're super liberal. Liberal. The amount, the veracity and the anger with which a lot of Americans, not most Americans I know and talk to, but a lot of Americans I hear defend defending guns. I don't understand how the, where this passion comes from. Even if you have a great time like hunting and stuff and you think it's really good to have like something there to protect yourself maybe even though the statistics don't really support that's a good reason and it doesn't seem to work it makes you more likely to die um it's something that's designed to murder people why are you so attached to this like i I, as a foreigner i don't understand i mean we we have crimes in this country but um you can kill a lot fewer people with a knife than with a gun and you know it, it strikes me as odd the way that even after, like, children are mowed down in schools and a bunch of vulnerable LGBT people are mowed down in a nightclub, that people can look at that and go, that's a shame. Anyway, let's sell more guns. Like, like, can you not see the connection here? If the, So if the Orlando shooter had come in and had a knife, it would be very different. He, he probably may, may have stabbed, like, two people before a bouncer was like, excuse the fuck out of me, and, like, threw him out exactly. of the bar. <laughs> like, yeah, it's and totally there's enough people situation. in a nightclub. If you see someone getting stabbed, ten people can be on him in a second. 
Mm-hmm. And that's not so the same with like a height with any gun with a sufficient like amount of like a sufficient rate of fire. And it just baffles me the degree to which the it's the gun ownership has been politicized and made such a core issue. It's made an American value in a lot of ways that people will not concede that it's leading to mass murder. And the people, when they see friend, like people with with what with husbands and wives and children and mothers and like, people with whole families that are grieving, and they look at that and say. I'm not going to do anything about it because I want to keep my gun. And this is going to sound ignorant. Please tell me, please email us if you if you have any anything to say to this that might help me make me understand because I want to understand. I want to know because it is baffling. But I, you I can try like to provide like a uh, lens. Yeah, please do. It's okay. So I am I am not a gun person. I have I'm married to someone who owns guns. I I have family members, both in-laws and, like, blood-related that have guns, um, and none of them are ridiculously overpowered, like, ridiculousness or anything like that. So I I was raised to have... Well, my mother actually never even let my brother and I have, like, Nerf guns. Like, she was very... It, this, which is weird, um, I think, actually, yeah. now thinking about it. But, I, you know, she's, like, a liberal single mother, basically. So I, I can kind of see... Oh, she just didn't want us to be inherently like cool with violence but anyway uh so I grew up around them and they weren't ever really scary to me uh but I do know friends who like grew up hunting and grew up shooting and none of them are fanatics either but I think the fact that this the okay this is gonna sound like I'm just parroting what the right is saying but it's true and it's absolutely legitimate that like our country was founded on revolution. So it's sort of built into our fiber to be distrustful of people who are foreign or people who challenge what we perceive to be American values and gun ownership has always been there. Like it was there for our entire like uh, colonizing of the, basically the entire land that we call our own. Uh, and it was legitimately an issue of government tyranny when the country was founded and the first, you know, 10 amendments were laid down our bill of rights. So it's like, it's so deep rooted and infused with other things like racism and, and even religiosity. I don't, I don't even understand how, but somehow like maybe it's the, just how deep the Christianity runs in the South and then, like, the fact that a lot of people who live in the South, like, were, like, country boys, like, you know, people who grew up on farms and shit like that. Like, I can't say I understand it 100%, but I know that it, like, it's inextricably tied to the fact that the whole country was founded on the idea of government tyranny being a bad thing and we very quickly became a place that was xenophobic and we have not dropped a lot of that for a long time. It's just still there. Like I was saying about racism and how you can push it underground. It doesn't matter how much you try to eradicate it. It's still going to exist. And uh, political climate now, people are legitimately afraid that like the government is going to 
take their guns away from them so that they don't have any power anymore, basically, which is, you know, a very white person thing. And, you know, nobody is <sighs> from the NRA clambering about the rights of black people to open carry without being shot. But yeah, it the really, thing- I think people are genuinely afraid of that. The government being like, taking over our lives, which they should be afraid of, but, like, well, you're bringing have, a gun to a drone but... <laughs> fight. <laughs> Something this, my partner this said, you're thing. bringing a gun to a drone fight. Exactly. So, first of all, before I make that point you just made, just with rambly and with a British accent, uh, <laughs> um, I find it hard to... I find it baffling that anyone can think the Prince of Peace, whose basically tagline was turn the other cheek, would want you to carry guns and shoot people. That's just... That's baffling. Either, yep. if, if, even if I somehow manage to compartmentalize that and think that somehow this person whose religion is all about forgiveness and being nice to people and giving away your riches wants rich white men to shoot black people, that's fine. Um, whatever. But the, the Second Amendment is a different issue because, like, the right to bear arms is this was was decided at a time where you could legitimately start a, milit- a, a, start a militia with a bunch of people with guns, and they and if you had enough popular support, you had a fa- you had a fair whack at actually taking out the government and getting your demands listened to, which is mm-hmm. admirable in a lot of ways. And that was but, normal then; like that was the only way. Yeah, exactly. But these days, the gov- the American government has most of the fucking nukes in the world. Like, a gun is not going to do anything against the weaponry that we have. It's just but it makes people feel safe because it does. It makes you feel powerful. Like I, I, I very much doubt that you've ever shot a gun. I have shot a gun on a couple of occasions, and like, I, I actually hate it. I hate it. Like I, oh, there are very few things I hate in this world more than the things that happen in my brain when I'm holding a gun. But like, uh, I mean, it literally does make you feel because you know what this thing in your hand can do like you have a lot of power because it really it like legitimately gives you the power to take away people's lives so it's natural that people feel safer having them because they make you feel like you're more powerful even though you're more likely to just have someone wrestle your gun away from you and shoot you if you get mugged or something but nobody cares about that yeah, sure. The, the, and the feeling thing, like the, the reassuring feeling is, guess what's really driving it. But the thing is, if you look at the evidence, it's not, if you have a gun, you're more likely to get killed. That's just a fact. Like, yeah, but <laughs> you're not nobody's... actually statistically safer. Yeah, most people are not. I mean, I guess most Americans are distrustful of, so weird, distrustful of authority figures, like uh, like the kind of authority figures that take data and numbers and turn them into useful information, like mm-hmm. the, the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, or the Food and Drug Administration, excuse me. Uh, you know, people are distrustful of the CDC and all these different governmental agencies that are there to protect them, and there is some legitimate reason to distrust those systems because there are... In, in many ways corrupted but ultimately like we don't have I don't think I mean unless we had like a widespread underground like completely off the web and like all at the same time revolution type thing like I don't see a quote unquote well regulated militia doing anything to help anyone it, it, just, it just couldn't it's just impossible 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, this is something that I wanted to bring up with you specifically uh, because we're on the topic and I've seen a lot of things going on online about this recently. And I don't know whether you've seen it or not because obviously different Facebook feeds, different countries that we live in. But I have been seeing, especially in the past year, a a, a sort of... I don't want to say resurgence because there never was in the first place, but like a surge of posts and articles that are essentially promoting trans people getting guns. Like basically, and I've seen people make videos about it too, where they're like, you know what? Fuck this. Like I can't keep myself safe in any other way than to get a gun. So guess what? Like what happens when we shoot back, that type of thing. Like, what are your feelings on that? I was going to bring this up. Like, I've okay. seen this. Like, not on my Facebook feed. I don't like... Sus- because because it is because it is the UK, and getting a gun is not only illegal, but also very difficult to do. I mean, you can get it if you really try hard enough and pay a lot of money and want to get arrested. Mm-hmm. But, like, I mean... But, I, like, you see, like... So, I get, if you see, like, on Reddit or something, people say people are getting harassed... Like, even if they're British, people don't pay attention because they, everyone just assumes everyone is American. And the first thing that someone will say, the first response, and it'll have, like, a bunch of upvotes is, go buy a gun. It's like, wait, what? This is what you think is the solution? Like, if you're getting harassed in the street, like, it's awful, but, like, your first response is get something that could kill this person? Like, harassing's awful, but murder is surely worse, right? I mean, like... And so and then, like, people, like, maybe they'll suggest, like, oh, maybe get a taser instead. Tasers are also illegal over here. They're semi-lethal. Um, pepper spray. I don't think you're, you're not allowed to carry pepper spray over here. Like, well, is it you know, pepper spray or mace? I don't know the difference, so I can't really speak to the specifics. But okay. you can probably do pepper spray, but not mace. Maybe. I mean, you can make your own, but you can't buy it. Um, mm, okay. So this is the thing. So I, I, this, I think this is tied as well to the, what we were saying before about the the culture in America of you need to defend yourself. Like, it's not a... Put- so like, this idea that the law is not going to protect you and you need to take it into your own hands, which for some people, especially, like, say, black people and stuff, I get. If Because, like, saying, like, it's, if you look at the statistics, like, black people are targeted by police. Like, that's just happening. It's awful. And you're more likely to be arrested if you're black and all this stuff. And I can understand why a lot of people in ethnic minorities in America do end up getting guns because... You know, it's dangerous out there. And like they <laughs> and white people are right to carry it, so why shouldn't you? And then you get arrested for it and it's it's awful. But I'm very scared by the idea that the first response to danger is to get um is to take a murder weapon into your hands. And I maybe I just I'm saying this provocatively because that's how I feel about it. And as a person who grew up in a country where guns are i've only seen guns carried by police and even then very very rarely and when i do see guns now i'm I'm fucking terrified you know like it's it's not a sight when it's not a familiar sight it's fucking scary right like you go to i went to it i got like went to italy a few years back and you go there and the police have guns and i was just like what the fuck happened is there been a shooting no it's just how it is and like over like after after the manchester attack and the london attacks um there's been like a couple of a couple of policemen with um with guns standing around in the Liverpool train station. I was and the first thing I thought was, what the fuck's happened? You know, it doesn't yeah, make it me feel safe. 
Yeah. It doesn't make me feel safe to see guns. And the fact that people can look at guns and feel safe is baffling to me. And I guess that's just the disconnect I'm going to have to deal with. Because in the end of the day, like, that someone turns that on you and you're dead. It's yeah. hard to feel assurance about that. Did you have your like MP or someone like that uh, have a statement about like increased presence of police? Don't be freaked out about it. Um, we've been talking about more police on the street because this whole idea of Bobby's on the beat, as we call it over here, is fairly popular. I think now that I'm not used to it anymore, it would be weird to see police around all the time. More policemen, sure, I could feel safe around, but policemen well, with guns, I would immediately be scared about. There was a specific, a uh, it was something that tr- this past week in the news, uh, Trump like called out someone in your government um, for telling people to be calm after the Manchester situation, I think. And then like it was taken out of context because the full statement that was given was like, in the aftermath of the fact that this bullshit just happened, like there's going to be an increased presence of police that are armed don't freak out about that particularly that they're out there because so to keep you safe um and it was just misconstrued and taken out of context by our president who then tried to make whoever that was seem like a jackass this was Sadiq Khan who's the mayor of London and Trump understandably upset with him because Sadiq Khan is a Muslim and as we know Mm. Donald Trump is racist and he seems to distrust Sadiq in every and he has done since the guy got in He's never said a For nice thing about reason. the man. Yeah, I know. It's almost like he's racist. And it's just in the same way that he wouldn't stop ragging on Obama for being for being a Muslim fucking foreigner, even though he was yeah. born in the US. He's just latched onto this idea that Sadiq Khan's dangerous because he's a Muslim. Um, he's, Sadiq Khan's a well-respected politician. He'll, he'll survive it. But everyone in the UK thinks Trump's a huge twat and is basically making the US a laughing stock. So we're not worrying too oh, much yeah. about that. Yeah, um, Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you expect that in London, I think, when something goes down to for, to have some people go out. I mean, London's a huge city, so you're not going to see it everywhere. Um, yeah. Manchester's a little smaller, that's a bit. But there's been, like, a sort of heightened presence of armed police all around the country in, like, major gathering locations like train stations and concert venues and things like that, just while we're sorting this out. And that's fine. Um, we, don't, we can't afford to do it very long, honestly, because the Conservatives have slashed the police budget. And at this point, when it gets to that sort of thing, we bring have to bring the army in these days, which is actually more expensive to deploy. And that is mm-hmm. scary. Like just seeing, like a couple of times I've seen a tank on the on the motorway, I get a bit freaked out. Probably understandably. Good God, yeah, <laughs> that would freak me out like so bad. <laughs> um, I want to clarify something from earlier. Uh, sure. it, it's the the whole idea of like trans people arming themselves. Um, it's not something that I have been seeing as like a first response type of thing. Like you were describing on Reddit, having like someone post about feeling unsafe and then someone immediately being like, uh, get a gun. But the, like the things that I've seen, like the, the thing that sticks out the most in my mind was a video um, that a black trans woman recorded of herself, like talking about basically just the, I mean, <sighs> We know that black people are killed regularly by police in America. We also know that trans women of color are the most discriminated against group in every possible measurement. Um, so this black trans woman, after you know years of being black and years of being a black woman and years of being a trans woman, 
it, it kind of had this very, like, this is the final straw sort of feeling. Like, so I don't want to, like, when we're discussing this issue of, like, the increased number of calls for trans people to arm themselves, like, I don't want to give the impression that what I'm seeing is that as a first response. I'm seeing that as, like, people are so exasperated that they're, like, reaching this point where they're, like, there isn't anything else that I can do. So what, like, what happens when the trannies shoot back is what she said. Mm. I mean, I I just want to clarify. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, like, it's scary being, like, being trans sometimes, and it's, well, a lot of the time. (laughs) And if you know, and you know your murder is going up, and you know that there are people with guns around you, I can see the temptation to have a gun. I think if I I lived in America, I would be tempted, you know, because I know other people have them. And I don't, so I don't think the solution is... I think there's an easy solution apart from maybe what the Australians did and just basically the government say everyone has a few has a, this this many weeks to hand their guns in um, for free. Everything will be fine. We're not going to look the other way. And after that, you'll get fined massively for having one. And I think that was a pretty good response. But before that, I can see why. And I, I understand completely. And if I was surrounded by guns all the time and people were constantly point, pointing at guns at me, you look you want a way to defend yourself, right? Like if you're alone on the if you're alone in a dark if you're on a dark street and you see someone following you, you look for the nearest thing to defend yourself with. Whether it's like usually for like for me and for a lot of people, I see online, you put your keys in between your knuckles mm-hmm. or something like that, right? Your first instinct is to have something to attack with because you know your fists are probably not going to be enough if someone really tries to harm you. I I get it, and if someone else has a gun. You know, it's hard to beat a gun except with another gun in a lot of respects, unless you like some like ninja swordsman. It's going to be really right. difficult to do. <laughs> um, and I, this is something that I've kind of fleshed out a couple of times in conversations online, but I, I'm interested in doing it a little bit more publicly and and also discussing it in a dialogue sort of thing. Because you said that if you were over here in America, you might be tempted to get a gun and like granted I, I personally believe that you walking around here w- is probably inherently more dangerous than me walking around here, even though I'm somewhat gender ambiguous. Like, I'm gender ambiguous yeah. in a way that's like I'm either a feminine boy, which is not the best, or like I'm a masculine woman, which nobody gives a fuck about. Um, mm. So, yeah, just walking around, I'm not as uh, in danger as you might be if you were here. But even if I were... I can't have a gun. Uh, so quick trigger warning here for the worst part of being depressed. Um, I, I can't have a gun because if I own a gun, all it takes is one bad day and then I'm dead. So I can't have one, right? So yeah. this leads me a little bit further into this uh, idea that trans people and uh, LGB people should be arming ourselves in order to deal with these possible threats, for me, it feels like there is very quickly going to develop this undercurrent of victim blaming that we haven't necessarily directed at any group in particular yet in this way. Like, victim blaming as far as, like, um, sexual assault is concerned, that happens all the time, all the time, all the time. But knowing that that's the culture that we live in, and if we have enough people who are LGBT and particularly trans who do begin to arm themselves and begin to advocate for trans people arming themselves, 
to me, and maybe this is a slippery slope, feel free to call me on it if it is, but it seems like a hop, skip, and a jump away from, oh, well, what did that trans guy expect uh, except to get shot because he wasn't carrying a gun to protect himself with? Do you know what I mean? Mm. <sighs> yeah. I, I don't know. I think I think it's all flesh. Uh, it's a pretty, it's a it's a dicey issue, and it's always going to be. I I, I say I say I'm tempted. I'd be tempted just because like I think about that sort of sometimes. Like how would I defend myself in this situation? I don't think I'd ever actually get one. And not for those things. I don't think I I would. I'm like I'm lucky to not have depression at this point in my life. I, I would never. And even if I did, like I was always too terrified of death to be able to even consider that, use that as an escape. Like even when I considered suicide, I wouldn't have. I, I like I never got far enough that I actually managed to go through with anything, and I feel like that carried through even with a gun. Um, but uh, I guess uh, anything that victim blaming is always going to be a, p- a part of this sort of thing because there's it's always you can you can construe any situation to blame the victim if you really try hard enough, and. Uh, I think the the fact that that, that trans, especially LGBT and especially trans suicide rates are so fucking high, is probably a, a good reason to discourage this sort of arm yourself, even if it is, even if it is like the best, the easiest thing for you to do, to be to feel safe. Like if you're a danger to yourself, then you're not safe. I was going to make yeah. another point there, but I think I've gone off the rails a bit, but. I mean, I, I I think I see what you were at least aiming at. Like, yeah. people arming themselves who are in this particular group of people are also, like, at high risk for mental health issues that include being suicidal. So, like, even, like, aside from just me as one example, a lot of us do have mental health struggles. <clears throat> and I don't, like, actively want to die most of the time, even if I am suicidal. But, like, it just takes the availability of the ease and yeah. that's it. So, yeah, like, it's definitely one of those things where it, you, there's no winner, I don't think. I, 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 I'm honestly, I cannot say that I am ethically opposed to black people and especially black trans women arming themselves and not hesitating to shoot someone who might hurt them. Like, mm-hmm. I am... This is one of the ways in which I, like, I cannot, I am not a pacifist. Like, I support trans women using guns to protect themselves, but I just am scared of its escalation. Like, I mean, and I guess it's one of those things where it's like, how much abuse can you tolerate before you have to, like, lash out in return? Yeah. Um, So I can definitely see that, but also, like, again, I don't think that we have any, like, enough organized people with a cohesive goal to like do any kind of uh substantive like coup of our government (laughs) yeah the thing is though like once so once a trans so say a black trans woman shoots an attacker how long does it take for that to be twisted around and for them to suddenly be on trial and for it to suddenly be yeah totally and we completely turn on its head and suddenly like it's even worse for us and we're seen as dangerous and crazy, you know, like to, to pardon my words, but uh, it's what people will say about us and it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, They'll twist the cause and effect back around. Exactly. I forgive me if this sounds ignorant, but are there not mental health checks when you buy a gun? Um, OK, so I am. Uh, there is no one answer. 
Okay. Because, like, the, this is very, very much one of those things that the federal government has this position of, like, okay, states can handle guns, like, specific gun rights. Like, there's not a whole lot of, like, specifically federal, re- like, registration issues um, so much as there is, like, state registration stuff. And so I don't, it literally depends on what state you live in, how difficult mm. it is to get a gun and what what type of background checks they make you go through. And some states have, like, a three-day waiting period between, uh, like, choosing to go into the store and then actually purchasing the gun. And some places, like, don't, you can be a private seller and go to a, an event where there's a bunch of private sellers and just buy a gun from anybody. And that's an unregistered, like, transfer of weapons in hands. Like, we, that is one thing that I think is woefully, just woefully under, like, okay, you don't have to take guns away from anybody, but at least legislate them to the point that you legislate cars. Like, you have yeah. to have a license. You have to take a test in order to get the license. Sometimes that that test involves, like, three months of taking a class. And then you have to renew your license. And if the thing transfers ownership, it needs to be registered to a person's name. And, like, it just seems like the most simple thing to do in that case. Like, just register guns. Have, like, you know, the crazy long numbers that they have that are the identification numbers for vehicles yeah. That are, like, 20 letters long. Let's just have, like, all of those. Like, we need all of those yeah. for the guns. <laughs> and it'd be easy if you, did, if you had to do an Australia situation and recall things, it'd be easy because you'd be able to track him. Um, the thing is, like, if yeah. you're going to regulate, if you're going to, like, restrict, like, say, alcohol from people under 21 and also, like, ID people when they buy it, you know, alcohol's a lot less dangerous than guns are. There should be things in place. <laughs> I'm sure that there are screening methods in place that are fine. I mean, I don't... I think the thing is that if you have a history of felonious behavior, that would be like a no-go. But a lot of... uh, Like we were talking earlier about the specific shooter at Pulse. Um, A lot of the people who purchase guns have like domestic violence history, which tends to go down as a misdemeanor rather than as a felony. So even though those people are more likely to actually use those guns to kill people, they still have access to them because it's, like, not felony behavior, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of fucked. (laughs) Yeah. And also, it's very thorny, the mental health thing. Like, I don't know. Sure. Yeah, well, what what, what do you ban and what don't you, you know? I guess, like, that's the reason why, like, why they had that trans people driving cars thing in Russia. Um, What? You know that Putin was on about um, banning transgender people from driving in Russia? Okay, people with with depression and trans people were... I I, I think the law may not have actually gone through, but the trans people and depressed people weren't allowed to drive in Russia under this draft legislation. Yeah, because mentally mentally ill people shouldn't be driving, according to him. And I can see the logic in some respects, but not with depressed people and trans people. Um, (laughs) It's kind of weird. (laughs) I was going to ask, um, how much did you see guns just around growing up and sort of now? Like, did you notice and did it, was it just a regular part of your life? Um, okay, so like I said, my mother didn't let us even have toys that were guns when we were little. So not a whole lot in that regard. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm trying to, like, go back over my life experiences and, like, figure out when I've seen guns. Like, I've always attended public school, and public school, they they have a no-gun policy, so not even the security officers who work in the schools have them. Um, mm. Uh, I, I grew up sort of in the inner city, so, like, gun violence was a thing, but it wasn't something I was directly exposed to. It was just, like, one of those things that... It's like you can't tell an eight-year-old that that's the sound of fireworks. Like, not that anyone ever did that to me, but I've yeah. read about other people and kids and that whole thing happening. But, like, I so I knew, I understood that gun violence was a thing, but I wasn't directly exposed to it very much as a child. And then... As I grew up, I moved to someplace more out in the country than in the inner city. And so I was around guns a little bit more then. And that's when I actually had the first opportunity really to shoot myself. Haha, shoot myself. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, it, I guess it wasn't a regular thing around me when I was growing up. But as I've gotten, as I went through my teenage years, I was around them like enough to acclimate me to the idea that they exist, but I am still freaked out whenever there's one around. Yeah. Like if, if I notice that somebody has one, it, that is the only thing in the room for me at that point. Although it's funny because a lot of the time the person carrying that weapon is a police officer and the police officer just by being a police officer is already on that same level for me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I can't, I can't do anything. If I see a cop car or a cop, I'm like, you are a danger. That is a predator right there, and I need to get mm. the fuck away from it. This is the problem, Even I guess. Though I'm white. <laughs> yeah, this is the problem, I guess, with uh, especially the, in America, the way that police, the poli- police brutality is still very much a, th- a thing that's being reported on and that we know about, and people aren't doing much to change it, considering that. You see people that when you see these guys walking around with guns and, you know, especially like if you're, say, black or trans or, you know, a minority, especially a black, especially a part of the black community. And you go around and you see a policeman around there with guns all the time and you know they're actively hostile to you. Those are the situations where I start to feel like I understand it. Just because you desire to have your own gun. If you feel like you're backed into a corner, you know, what else can you do? And and I I know, like, it's easy. I wouldn't do it myself. I say that I not. I didn't grow up in that situation. You can't put yourself in that position. But I start to see why people do it. I still don't get it, but I think it's 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 the closest I come to understanding it. I yeah. still don't understand like why why a bunch of the, why most of the defenders of it are like rich white dudes and stuff who are never going to be in trouble in their life. Like why do they need guns? Um, yeah. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I understand the NRA has a lot of money, and that has something to do with it. Yeah, it, it's well, honestly, and this is something that we didn't, we haven't had the opportunity to get into either. But there is, without doubt, a a ah, god damn it, I don't. It's these are the kind of things that you you're thinking about saying them out loud and then you realize how much like it sounds like a conspiracy but then like you know that it isn't so you feel like slightly less crazy but not enough less crazy yeah Um, there is definitely an an interconnection of the market we'll we'll say the market the economy and Mm. the politics and a lot of progress and or like regression is 
propagated by these systems that tend to fuel each other. So if you have these politicians who are receiving large amounts of money from gun lobbying associations, then obviously they're going to draft laws that benefit those companies, which will then make more money. And that's the, that's the sinkhole that we've found ourselves in. Basically it's the military industrial complex is one thing. And then this is also like a sort of subset of that. And like our militarized police, like I don't even understand the militarized police thing. Like it freaks me out. Ugh. Mm. <sighs> yeah, no, that's, that's a, yeah, that's going to happen. Maybe the, co- the companies in a lot of ways are in the world. Um, I mean, Murdoch's and a lot of our, our politicians in this country are sort of under the under the thumb of Murdoch because he gives them money and things like that. Theresa May, our prime minister for now, um, just reappointed someone who basically stabbed the back in the back of most members of his party to try and become the leader after Brexit, and um, she's back. He's back in reportedly because Murdoch told her to. So that's good. Murdoch, the um, head of News Corp. Um, thorough, thorough bastard in a lot of cases. Um, Australian billionaire magnate with his sons are just as bad. Owner of Fox, um, Sky, the part owner of Sky, um, all that good stuff. Harper Collins. If you buy Game of Thrones, giving money to Murdoch, it's all he, he's got his hands and everything. It's, <laughs> I mean, I like George R. R. Martin enough to try and try and look past that, but you know. It's yeah. What, it's a narrow thing. It's, it's, it's hard to disentangle the people from that because 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 no once you own enough of the services, right? You're giving money to them one way or another, and then that goes into support their agenda. Uh, I I don't like capitalism. No, it's really not great. It's not the best. Seize the means of production. Yeah, Jesus. Get me on a list, why don't you? <laughs> it's all right. Transcommunism is the way it's going. It's happening. <laughs> totally. Um, so I guess sort of bringing it back to the specific event of Pulse, um, there were, there was the GoFundMe afterward uh, to help all of the like hospital costs for the people who were still fighting for their lives and to cover funeral costs for a lot of the family members, you know, still left behind with this uh, weirdly expensive thing that you have to do, by the way, which, oh, God, I need, I feel like I need to have an entire hour to discuss how fucked up it is to funeral costs. It's, it's so expensive to be dead. Um, mm. But so that was one of the positive things that sort of happened in the aftermath of that. And I know this is totally unrelated, but the same weekend that that Pulse shooting happened last year. A, a YouTuber who did a public performance was also shot. So, like, my feelings were so fucked up that whole weekend. Um, anyway, dear God, I forgot where I was going. <laughs> Why do I always do this to myself? Um, um. <laughs> God damn it. i going to let you brainstorm oh, uh, just, for a second. Okay, so good things were happening. Like, people raised money for her family as well that weekend, and then... There was this sort of, like, for this brief moment, there was this national, at least it felt like it was a national moment of solemnity at at what had happened. And this sounds weird, but, like, it, it kind of really did mean a lot to me as an LGBT person that there seemed to be so many people who were deeply disturbed and 
like willing to like the line of people going to uh, donate blood for those who needed blood transfusions during that time like was crazy long. And so like I want to I want to recognize that even though that moment was like a stain on American history and in LGBT history, which hasn't been fucking great either. Anyway, no. but <laughs> it, it, there is this element where people come together and this is like the part that makes me usually cry uh that there can be so much love for this group like i didn't realize how much love there was for us as a community like mm. this one person did this one fucked up thing but now like there was this like i said it didn't last very long but there was this moment where it seemed like something that was done specifically to hurt queer people was felt by just America as a whole. And I don't think that's ever happened. It is powerful. And it is yeah. heartwarming. And that's sort of why yeah. I got so disgusted when people were trying to ignore that fact, because it was, it was nice to see everyone come together. And that's when you, that's what, I think that's when you know how far we've come with these things, when people are willing to go to bat for us. This sort of, even like this sort of horrible Ozymandias moment where the world crumbles and people, and from the ashes there is unity. Yeah. Um, it's still, the, the compassion is what ultimately we should take out of this. Like, sure, be angry about gun control. Sure, be angry about murders and fanatics and stuff. But it doesn't. If you're living in fear, is just it's difficult. And there's there's enough fear in this world already. Like the the love is what we can we can really thrive on. If you if you live your life being scared, I mean, if you if you spend your life being scared of being shot, you're gonna have a very difficult life, and it's. It's easy to get lost in this and to get and to keep thinking about what could go wrong and to con and to concentrate on the hardships and the fact that life is difficult and you are like in a minority that is, does have a higher homicide rate than the mean. But there are also people that love you and there's people that don't know you that will go to bat for you and maybe they're quiet, maybe they're strangers, maybe you'll never met, maybe you'll never meet them. But we have supporters. And those support, that support is growing, even if, say, there's still a large number of homophobes and transphobes out there. The the people who are going to go back for us, I think, are increasing, and and that doesn't show any like that that shows so that shows so strongly after that. And I feel like for a lot of people, it was for a lot of people that was it when the when the shooting happened. It wasn't oh another shooting. It was. These are these are these people we care about. And we need to show that we care about your community, and yeah. I think that goes flies in the face of what, what, what let's say something like Fox News wanted the narrative to be. And good, yeah. fucking good. Fuck Fox News. <laughs> God. Uh, I did see that Megyn Kelly's on being bought by another network now, which I was baffled by. Yeah, Ugh. she's actually surprisingly like a decent journalist. See, she's getting Alex Jones on. Yeah. Oh, it's actually, she actually kind of uh, tears into him. Like, it's not out yet, but uh, apparently there's there was some discussion of please don't air the episode because apparently she was a lot less kind than 
the and first impression was given. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank I you, know. Philip DeFranco, for keeping me filled in on all the shit that I need to know. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, that, that's a weird one as well, because like uh, the guy, have you seen uh, the guy from Double Toast was saying recently, I think it was him, that um, Alex Jones is just a public persona and he's actually a completely different person. So that makes the whole thing kind of weird, like entertaining this sort of put on persona to be angry at. Not that there aren't people that think like him that you can have arguments with, but I would argue that Megan Kelly's also said a lot of horrible shit in her time. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think at least as a journalist, she's sort of figured out that she was working for a biased network and that she was fucking tired of having to deal with the sexual harassment and the particular, like, bias. Like, I think that she, I think that she is biased towards the right, but I also think that her integrity as a journalist is, at the moment at least, a stronger motivator for her than for pushing a narrative, which I respect. I respect that about her. Like, if, if you want to be a good journalist, then that's what you should do. You should be able to at least kind of set aside your biases and approach things evenly. Like, she did a, an interview with Laverne Cox that was completely lovely. It was lovely. It was fine. Oh, that's surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Moving forward. You know, moving forward, <laughs> things are happening when right when when right wing pundits can that you can can um, interview trans people and be nice. We're growing into yeah. a nice world, maybe in some parts. I mean, Laverne Cox is just beautiful and so amazing and intelligent. Yeah. And I don't see how anyone could be mean to her. <laughs> yeah. Trump menistan's going to be such an accepting empire. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> she got shafted in. She got basically shafted in Orange Is the New Black again. I won't go into spoilers or something, but I'm, I'm continually disappointed with the way that um, Netflix sort of pushes this. Like, look, we've got Laverne Cox. Everyone loves Laverne, and then like she's never in the show. Mm. Yeah, I've heard that she's not as central to the show as as uh, the media hype around her would have you believe. It was. It's. It's just the thing that kind of like popularized her, I guess. She's barely a side character, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> But when the show started, everybody was like, oh, my God, there's a trans character being played by a trans woman. What the fuck? I know. Look how good that is. Yeah. Progress from five years ago. <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll get there, Internet. We'll get there eventually. We will. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So it's been so it's been a year since the Pulse shootings. Uh, do you feel like the mood has sort of changed in regards to these, like whether the shootings or just the LGBT community? Do you think that's had a lasting effect, like as an American? I was actually about to ask you the same thing. Ooh. <laughs> just as a member of the community in general, though. Uh, yeah. I feel like uh, there was a... Well, okay, so I, I have a little bit of a different perspective on this because at the end of last year I was working as a mail carrier and in neighborhoods where gun violence was not uncommon. So I had like some things happen in the months after Pulse that like I had thought I had like kind of gotten over the being afraid all the time thing. And then like all of a sudden all of that fear came like rushing back in because I was mm. like, ha ha ha, people think that I'm queer. And like obviously outwardly that's not something I'm trying to hide. So I am super yeah. fucked. Um, <laughs> but I think that we as a community are doing better than I would have expected. There was a decent amount of mourning and everything 
on social media for pretty much the whole week. But I think that as as a whole, that we've more or less recovered, except for the smaller instances of violence continuing to happen that, like, reignite things. And, like, of course, the lived experiences of black trans people, those are not getting better at all right now. So there is this sort of rising tension, but not necessarily a rising amount of fear. I think that we, like... I I don't want to be that person who's like, this was a Muslim, ergo it was terrorism. But, like, literally, I do believe that this was an act of terror, that it was meant to make us scared. And I was, like, once I puzzled that out, I decided that I wasn't going to let terrorism keep me from being who I am. And I honestly saw more people come out in the last year who directly cited the Pulse shooting than I have on, like, most other coming out. Like, I mean, I see a lot of coming out posts, obviously, on coming out day, but a lot of people were like, no, I'm going to be, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be seen. I'm going to be counted. So honestly, in a way, it sort of pushed some people to decide to come out of the closet instead of making people more afraid to exist in public. And we still have Pride. It's a huge event all over the country. And I think that as a community, we're, doing a lot better than we could be yeah i think i think that's i think that's really cool like you people can be scared and you can sit there and you and you and you have your period of mourning because you have to and it's awful but in the end of the day we shouldn't let that stop us from being ourselves and just living our own lives and being who we are and that's that's what they would want you know that's what the shooter probably wanted is for us to to go about and stay and go back in the closet and try and pretend we're not queer and to go back and not not dance with each other in clubs, not have a fun time, not be proud, to be scared and to have be, have, LG, have an LGBT identity be a, be a point of shame. And the best thing we can do is be out and be outspoken, even if it makes you it does make you a target in some ways. But if there's enough of us then that target's going to be very large and people aren't going to be able to hit it so well and there are more people on our side. And the more visible we are, the more people can understand and the more outreach we can do just by existing. And in the end, I think that's the road to acceptance is being visible and being visibly human. And nothing humanizes people quite like being strong in the face of adversity. Oh, yeah. And that's... I think that's pretty much where I landed on this last year. That was like, I made a video about it after I had had some time to think it over. And I I agree. Like, that's the best thing you can do if someone tries to make you, like, too scared to leave the house because of who you are. Then, like, the greatest act of rebellion is to continue living your life and go outside even when it's scary. And I don't know. Like, I don't think it's fair that we have to have this burden where you just have to accept a certain amount of risk when you leave your house. But we do this with all kinds of things. We do it with car accidents. Like it's like one of the number one ways I I, guess it's in the top five ways that like people in the United States die is by like car accidents. So we, we take an acceptable amount of risk every time we drive a car and as trans people and as trans people with different intersecting identities, like being people of color or whatever else, there is a certain amount of risk that you just sort of have to accept 
in going out into the world. And it's not okay, but if you can do that and you can reconcile yourself with that and decide that you can still live your life and be happy, even though that risk is there, then ultimately, like, that's, I think, a win. If we have more people who are okay with accepting the risk and willing to live their lives happily and openly in the face of, like, very, very real present danger. Absolutely. Like... Yeah, like if it, and it doesn't, doesn't mean that everyone has to be out. If you if you're in the closet and you're scared, you let yourself. You're allowed to be scared for a while. Don't be feel like you're being forced out. Do things in your own time. There will be enough of us standing up, and when you feel ready, you can come join us, and we'll be happy. To, we'll be happy to have you. We'll be lucky to have you. Yeah. So that was a nice positive note. Yeah, that might be good to end on. <laughs> I think so. We're <laughs> getting all huggy at the end. Um, all huggy. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to listen, if you want to send us a question, please do. If you want to correct me on gun control issues, please do. Um, transatlanticpod at gmail.com. Um, the, the episode that came out before this should be our first question. We answered that pretty thoroughly. In the future, if we get enough of them, we won't spend a whole episode on them, but I thought that one warranted one last time. Um, TransATL podcast, Twitter, transatlanticpod, Facebook um soundcloud tune in stitcher all wonderful ways to get the podcast um if i've got my fucking ass in gear like i'm supposed to then we should have patreon up um by this time what's the address for that lux do you remember it's just patreon.com slash transatlantic fantastic and um that's all on me if that's not gonna by this time you can just send me a facebook message and tell me to fuck off and i shall try i'll get my fuck on is that how it was? <laughs> I, I don't want to get my fuck on. That sounds really creepy. Um, it does. It does. Um, our music's um, Runaway by George Gad, uh, a, lov- a lovely, lovely boy. Um, buy his stuff on Bandcamp. Um, listen to it on Spotify if you prefer. Spotify's cool, but it doesn't pay as well. So um, drop him some money. Drop us some Patreon money if we can. Um, go to patreon.com slash Luxander. Give Lux <gasps> some money. You know, that could be cool. <laughs> And then we can, and then like lots can do things, like not die, and it'll be great. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> the cost of living is um, is somewhat problematic. <laughs> somewhat higher than zero. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I think that's everything as far as I can tell. Um, it's been a, a, it's been a hard year for LGBT people, I think, but especially with like trump happening and sort of like the resurgence of the right but i feel like we have made progress and i wish we shall continue to do so and remember remember who those who came before us and strive onwards don't let that don't don't let their loss deter us they would have wanted never this. stop never stopping never stop never stopping isn't that a lonely island thing yes it is <laughs> fantastic all right <laughs> All right, see love you guys. Bye. Uh, see you next time. With the night on your side, in an old 45. With the night on your side.